Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, 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 Hello. Hi. Uh, my name's Yara and I'm here with... Diora. <laughs> it's my first time doing this, um, so I'm really excited and a little bit nervous, um, but Diora's an expert. Um, I don't know about expert, but <laughs> I like talking. Yeah, tell us tell us about yourself, Diora. Okay, um, so I'm Diora. I am 24 years old, and I know how to really just think how old I am. I'm originally from Uzbekistan, but I live mm. in London, and I'm a journalist. I also have my own podcast called Your Broccoli Weekly. It's amazing. Subscribe. Everyone should listen to it. <laughs> but Yara asked me here today to talk about our friendship and also yes. her amazing book. Yes. Um, yeah, my name's Yara and Yara Rodriguez Fowler. And I wrote this book called Stubborn Archivist, which came out last year and has been nominated for a bunch of prizes. It's and... kind of amazing. But she, <laughs> she'll never say that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, before I get really awkward talking about it, um, I'm going to play a song. And this song's by Caetano Veloso, who's a very famous Brazilian artist. And um, it's, uh, it's half in English, half in Portuguese, which is part of why I think it's really special. And he wrote it when he was living in London because he was exiled by the military dictatorship. And um, it's about him wandering around uh, Notting Hill. Walk down Portobello Road to the sound of reggae. I'm alive. The age of gold, just the age of the age of old. The age of gold, the age of music's past. Hear them talk as I walk, as I hear them talk. I hear they say, expect the final blast. Okay, so we're back and now we're going to talk about the book. Yes. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Um, so I'm going to play interviewer for this part of our segment. Yeah. So for those who haven't read your book, what is it about? Right. Um, and obviously, like, you've read it. So if you think I'm not making any sense, you can jump in. But it's um, it's a novel and it's about a family um it's mostly about the women in the family so uh the grandma vovo cecilia um the auntie anna paula the mom is adora and the protagonist doesn't have a name and it moves between 1991 and 2015 and you get bits that are from the protagonist's perspective bits from the aunt's perspective bits from the grandma's perspective some from the mum's perspective as well and it's kind of like poetry and prose and a lot of blank space um there's a lot of stuff that happens off stage so it's kind of like uh it's kind of messing with the novel form um yeah there's a lot of dialogue yeah definitely when I read it I didn't notice that the protagonist the protagonist didn't have a name mm. and now that you said that I'm like how did I not notice yeah. that but was that intentional <laughs> yeah absolutely um it's uh, it's really hard to write a protagonist without a name because sometimes you need to refer to characters. And if In everyone, dialogue, right? Yeah, and if everyone's just she, then... Um, so sometimes she's the baby when she's a kid. She's called the baby. And then um, when she gets older, sometimes she I use the second person, so she's you. Um, but yeah, she doesn't have a name. Uh, and that was intentional because like throughout the 
book, you can see that there's this kind of theme where people hear her name, whatever it is, and they're like, oh, that's a nice name. Where's it from? You know, like everyone's learned it's rude to be like, where are you from? And so now they're like, where's your name from? I'm sure you get oh that my all goodness. the time. It's, oh, it's usually men. Anyway. It's definitely evolving the way people ask yes. that question. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Completely. Because yeah. like they still want to get... Where did you grow up? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's about withholding that from the reader and letting her... Um, have that privacy and just have control over the like site of her hypersexualization, which is a big part of the book. Like the main arc in the book is probably like healing from sexual violence. Absolutely. And what inspired you to write it? Um, I'm going to be really cheesy, but like um, there's like a Toni Morrison quote, which is like, if there's a book that you want to read and it doesn't exist, you have to write it. And at uni, I was doing this really traditional course and uh, I just really started identifying with and gravitating towards like books by Latinx writers in the US like Sandra Cisneros and uh, Juno Diaz even though he turned out to be a creep like boo but anyway um and I don't actually have much in common with these people I just like gravitated towards that literature because there wasn't anything in the UK and I want so I was like yeah I want to write a book where it's got Brazilian Portuguese and British English and it's set in South London and uh I also wanted to talk about trauma and remembering and like healing and joy in the book as well sure and you've got some songs haven't you from the book yes i have yeah so she'll okay. play one of them yeah so um this one is oh <laughs> this one is by uh elise hegina and um she she was also making music during the dictatorship and she became sort of a kind of kind of uh poster girl for brazil abroad i guess and the a dictatorship told her like they sort of threatened her family if she didn't kind of behave and stop speaking out um and she died of i can't remember but she died really early and anyway this song is um called like our parents called and i'll tell you a bit about it um afterwards absolutely jazz hands at the end yeah it's such a banger isn't it yeah um she's amazing so I'm realizing I'm learning so much about you and this book and we never had this conversation <laughs> yeah I'm very awkward um and yeah for context we're like real friend real friends <laughs> real friends <laughs> as opposed friends to in real friends. life yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so okay I'm gonna ask you some more questions yes yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah this is interesting because I think when I read the book we mm. didn't know each other that well yeah so I felt kind of weird <laughs> asking you these questions but now yeah. we can always travel back in time absolutely and I can yeah, ask totally. you the questions I've always wanted to mm. know the answers to <laughs> yeah how did you feel writing the book what was the process like um so yeah the process is kind of long um so I I wrote the first chapter when I was at uni and for anyone who's read it, it's the chapter where she's in the bar with her ex-boyfriend and she says some important things. And um, so sad. I submitted it to the uni feminist magazine and they rejected it. <laughs> well, you have a book now. Yeah, so. I mean, like I'm hashtag winning. But um, anyway, so I was like obviously super sad and dejected about that for ages. Um, and... Um, yeah, so if that's where you're at with your writing, like, no one knows anything, don't listen to anyone. Um, Everyone's faking it. Literally, and 
just chatting rubbish. We can talk about that in a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, um, and like it hasn't changed at all. And now people treat it with so much more reverence and respect. So it's often not the text. It's just the the circumstances. Um, Yeah. So then I graduated and I was living at home for a bit. So I was really lucky to have like a bit of time to be able to write because I was at home and I was applying for jobs and I did a master's as well. And that's when I wrote this first draft of the book. And I really had shown it to like maybe one or two people. And um, then I sent it to agents and I just, uh, I didn't have any like links in the publishing industry. No way. No, I didn't. Yeah. So I literally didn't know any writers and I, or agents or whatever. I didn't even know how it worked. And I, I was like, there's no way like anyone, no crusty old man's going to publish this or like be my agent. So I um, made a list of like young women agents, like people at the, like not right at the start of their careers, but who were like not that, only a little bit older than me and who were open to like more international experimental fiction. And I chose four of them and I sent it to them. Mm -hmm. And I got like a generic rejection from the like most established lady. And then I got a, like, oh my God, yes, please, from the person who's my current agent. And I did follow up with the other ones just out of politeness, but I just, she's called Imogen Pellin, she's amazing. Um, And yeah, like sometimes I look back and I'm like, the reason that she was like, yes, please, is because she read the beginning, which is just like delinquent, drunk, like 15 year old girls get like in London. And she was like, yep, that was me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which like, yeah, what a blessing. So yeah. and she was like, oh, you know, this is quite, this is quite short. Um, and it was 20,000 words, which is like an LRB long read. Like it's, right. it's most novels are more like 70, 80,000. Mm. Um, and I was like, so clueless. I was like, just like Googling, like the color purple, how many words? Like, I don't know how, who knows how many words are in a novel. So, and I thought it might be a collection of short stories actually about the same family. So we sent it out to publishers and they were like, yeah, we love the voice. We love that it's a bit ethnic. Um, <laughs> Make it longer, please. Make it three times as long, one publisher said. So did like, you? Well, I made it like over... I made it... It's 48,000 words now, but I made it 50,000. And um, that was really, really difficult. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, like, the way our lives are set up, the way capitalism works, like, you're not meant to have time to write or, like, have stuff you enjoy outside of your work. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I was working like full time at a communications agency. There was this horrible woman who was bullying me, who was like my age, which was really confusing. Um, and I was scared to tell my boss that I was writing in case they fired me or like went weird on me. And yeah, I was so burnt out. I like, didn't socialize. It was awful. Um, but I made it longer. And then eventually, this publisher, that uh, fleet uh, that we signed with now, wanted it and my editor Rhiannon Smith is amazing and I was like one of the first things I said was like oh can I cut some bits out she was like yeah of course let's do this so um yeah that's 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 how that works I mean I haven't said a lot about the actual writing process but sometimes I think like I just want to acknowledge that it's really hard yeah yeah and to those who are maybe in the process of writing right now yeah or have an idea and they don't know where to start what would be the biggest advice you could give them um I think read really really widely I think that's the most important thing you can do um and like educate yourself like what do you have to say about the world are you bringing news I think like that's what novels should do writing should do like even if the news you're bringing is just like joy like even if you're just like I want this is just, the world's so shit I just want to write something fun like that's an excellent reason to write but you might also be saying like I want to explain this thing to the world like or I was like I want to create this like hybrid br- 
Brazilian British book that's really South London, but I also like I want to write a book that is for survivors of sexual violence that doesn't have like graphic descriptions and it's just about joy. So I think it's really important you you have to be like on a mission. I think the other thing is like it's really going to take a lot of time and effort and it's really unpleasant like work out how you're going to do it and it's really hard if you have caring responsibilities if you're chronically ill if like you just got to figure it like you got to figure it out because it is hard um and have like people that support you and how did you find the process after so when you Mm. finished and the book was stocked in bookshops and um, you know there were I'm sure you had loads of evenings where you were like oh this is my book I don't know if you had that. Yeah. Um, how did you feel when people approached you and told you how amazing it was and and told you everything about it? Like, how did that make you feel? Um. Yeah. So it's it's quite. It's a mad one. Like, um, particularly when the book came out, I was getting like a DM a day. Um, now it's a bit more like spread out, but I still get messages out of the blue. Um, and. I love it. Like, I love that people read the book. Um, I love that people like it and it means something to them, obviously. Um, it's a re- it's just... Um, it's hard to explain, but what was happening a lot at the beginning is, like, people who maybe I hadn't seen in 10 years or spoken to in, like, 15 years were DMing me being like... Oh, my God, it's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, also being congrats. like... And this happened to me in my life or, like, something like that. And, like, it's that, like, emotional, like... Ah. appearance was a lot but also great um because it allowed people to open up yeah but then it's yeah. really hard because where do you draw those boundaries right yeah and like also because you can just be like literally doing anything like brushing your teeth and someone's like blah blah blah. and the funniest one I think was this girl who DM'd me being like hi don't you know if you remember me from school like there's a house party scene in your book where everyone breaks loads of stuff I think that might have been based on this one time at my house and I was like I don't remember but also like <laughs> I'm sorry that <laughs> your house got destroyed in a house party full of like 15 year olds. Yeah. So, um, but that was kind of funny. And um, I think like also the coolest thing is seeing like people that I've admired for ages say they like it. Mm. And um, you know, when like you're on Twitter and you don't have that many followers and you're just like following everyone and like hoping they notice you. And then yeah. like, now like those people to be tweeting at me being like I enjoyed your book or whatever I'm just like oh my god (laughs) I feel seen so um it's amazing and it's just it's makes such a difference like having a publisher backing you having an agent and And having that support as well yes it's 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 much easier for me to get funding for my work now it's just uh emotionally great but also materially great so should we get into the next song yes um so um this one is a bit more Somber. Um, it's by Elsa Suarez, who I just want to talk a bit about because she's such a legend. She's 89 years old, and I saw her live at the Barbican, I think like two years ago for my birthday with my friend Ben. And um, she was just sitting on the throne, wow. like she was sitting on a throne, and she's just still like giving these amazing performances. And until recently, I think she had like a 20 something year old boyfriend, like she's really out there. Um, and I Google her because she looks amazing. Um, she's got like really big, beautiful hair, always wears like colourful outfits. And part of what I love about her is I've got two songs I want to play by her. Um, and this one's like got really short lyrics. It's kind of like a poem. 
and it's about how she carries her mum everywhere she goes. And like part of why Elsa Suarez is such a legend is like she's really vocal politically, but also just like jokes. And like she got really poor and black and like made it. And now she's 89 and still living her best life. So I really respect that. And this one's also in the book. This one's not in this book. I think this one is going to be in the second book. Um, if she doesn't see me putting it in there. Levo minha mãe comigo De um modo que não sei dizer Levo minha mãe comigo Pois deu-me seu próprio ser And we're back! Hello! Um, yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Uh, we had a little freak out because it just changes halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I pressed something. <laughs> another song came on. I was like, ah! Yeah, so like I heard that song first, like live in the barbecue, and I was just like, this is amazing and it's kind of like a dirge like almost like a funeral song being like I carry my mother everywhere we go everywhere I go perhaps because we're um so similar I carry my mother everywhere I go perhaps because she gave me her very being it's like really wow yeah and I guess it's very relevant to Mother's Day being soon uh, yeah. also <laughs> International Women's Day because yeah. yeah mothers are amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and we're building off like what the people who have come before mm, absolutely yeah yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about my relationship with my mom now, and I used to think that we were wildly different. Mm. And then as I grow older, I'm realizing that I'm becoming more and more like her. But I want to become more like her. Yeah, because she's an amazing woman. Yeah. So whenever I hear that from someone else, I'm like, yeah. that's a compliment. And yeah, totally. I um, yeah, I often think like that the book is a bit of a love message to the protagonist's mum and in some ways to my own mum and my mum a few years ago she got quite ill she's got ME and that really made me realize like how much of how I understand myself is like tied to my mum um and the way she is and uh like her power um yeah my mum's a legend love her shout out to Yara's mum yeah <laughs> Well, should I tell you what I loved about the book? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, obviously when I read it, yeah. I only met you once. And we'll talk about yeah. how we met in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. It's a fun story. Yeah. Um, but what I really loved about it is I'm someone, okay, I, I have a Goodreads account and mm -hmm. I have a goal. This yeah. year it's 48 books. Decent. Maybe it takes the joy out of reading for some people, like setting a target. Anyway, this was one of the only books that I read where I just was not looking at the pages. Right. Um, I don't know why I do that, but I kind of like knowing where I am in the book, like how yeah. it's going to develop. But you mentioned the blank spaces earlier. Yeah. And I think that was amazing because it gave me so much breathing space yeah. to process what I just read. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that was quite rare. Um, yeah, and on the blank space, like... I've got loads of like high theory thoughts about it and what it means, but just um, I think that like like I think so. My brother's really dyslexic, and we talk. I'm a bit dyslexic, but he's really dyslexic, and um, he talked about how it's just like a really easy book for you to read if you're dyslexic because um, yeah, it's not about just 
overwhelming blocks of text on the page. It's about you can scan the page and see, okay, this is dialogue or, okay, this is going to be like, you can kind of look at it like that rather than, um, and I, don't, I actually don't completely understand how that works, but it does work. Um, it felt really accessible. Yes. Which is what I loved about it because yeah. a lot of books aren't. No, completely. And like, especially formerly experimental stuff or like postmodern stuff, like I guess it is kind of a postmodern book, but it's not trolling the reader. Like it's not about being obscure just to like... Um, For the sake of it. No. In fact, the only people that arguably excludes are just like, if there's Portuguese, Brazilian words in there. So if you don't know them, you can't access that bit, but... Um, sure. But yeah, I love the structure because mm. in a sense, yeah, it wasn't very traditional. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that it, some of it was prose, some of it was mm. poems, and it felt almost like a collection you know like yeah, I felt yeah. like when I was reading it it felt almost like a diary yeah um and that's what I really loved about it um but also all the female voices in it and yeah and, and those, sorry, sorry. <laughs> those two things are so related because what I wanted to do is almost have like the feeling of like overhearing all of these women talking to each other and like what happens if you have a novel that actually feels really oral um that's yeah kind of what and like felt like he over hearing stories from your mama and your auntie and like your friends mm. and also just like your own like bullshit in a monologue that's like always like what's going on yeah <laughs> um yeah I and I also wrote because I wrote down when yeah. I wrote about it because <laughs> in case I not that I forgot but I I read it um yeah. last summer and yeah I do just have a terrible memory but yeah what I remember feeling when I was reading the book is mm. I just felt like it was very beautiful and tactile. Like that's a word yeah, that really okay. stood out to me because it was just, I don't know, like the way you describe things, I, I felt like I was there. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, and it allowed me to also maybe participate in some of the aspects of your culture that I never mm. would have understood or known before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so part of the tactileness of it is that I was really focused on the body the whole way through and what it means to be in a body in space, uh, which sounds trite, but actually it's kind of what it means to migrate, like how space and place give your body meaning, right? And how your body means different things in different places. Like um, when I go back to Brazil, I'm English and I'm like one of the whitest people there. When I'm here, I'm Brazilian. And like some people think like all Latino people are people of color, which is like Incorrect. Uh, incorrect and covers all manner of sins in a yeah. really harmful way. But anyway, um, the point is still that people are racialized differently and that your body means different things in different places. Um, but I was also interested in the body uh, in the sense of what it means to live in a body after sexual violence. And like part of the fragmentary nature of the book uh, is to do with how trauma disrupts the membrane process. And there's this refrain, which is like this broken body, which is a lot about that feeling. Um and um yeah there's something else i can say that i've just lost my it's okay yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it when you yeah. have time wow yeah that's so true and i feel like especially in the here and now yeah in our world in 2020 yeah the topic of embodiment is really yeah. important and being in touch with your body and understanding what's going on inside because there's a phrase that I absolutely love it's called living from the neck up mm. it's when you're mm. so unaware mm. of what's going on inside your body yeah that you are just operating almost like just from your head and that's it yeah totally. and then sometimes what happens is um just speaking about sort of my own trauma mm. um mm. something might trigger um your your past trauma and then it's like boom and like your whole yeah. body just experiences something that 
I don't know, shakes you to the core. Yeah. And then suddenly you don't know how to be embodied. You don't know how to be in touch with your yourself. Yeah, totally. Totally. And like, um, that's, yeah, that's like why the protagonist has these like IBS attacks. So she'll just suddenly be like, fuck, I need to shit. Like, I'm, I can't get up without when you go to the loo. Or like, if she, there's one point where she thinks, when, if she sees her ex-boyfriend um, who was abusive on the street, she like runs home because she's got diarrhea like so it's exactly that like the um the body like there's that like therapy therapist like you know the body keeps the score and the body knows all these things um and um yeah like the end of the book is there's there's it's like almost exactly what you just said where she says like uh, when she's dancing with the other woman and she says like you do not verbalize the movements of your body um like your body moves her body moves your body moves and it's exactly that it's about like being in your body um, wow I might yeah. read the book again and just see if I have a, a different understanding of it now that we've had this conversation because yeah. I think there is definitely there is definitely um beauty to reading something without knowing what it is first sure. and, and being able to understand it and process it in your own way but I think after having this conversation it'll be really cool to go back and see if I miss some bits essentially yeah and like um Hopefully there's like, every time you read it, you'll spot something new. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Shall we play the next song? Um, yeah, so the next one is... Um, so this one... Oh, this is great. So this song is actually... Um, it's the song that... Um, at the end of the book, she's on the... This is a spoiler, but it's not really a plot-based book, so it's fine. But she's on the beach with this other woman, and the woman is playing Kaitan Villas on her phone. And you know that like kind of joy in like your crap phone playing music yeah, out loud. Yeah, like trying to trying to. Have you ever tried like putting it in yeah. a glass or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. to make it sound louder? Exactly. And um, they're just dancing, and this song's playing, and the song is called "You Don't Know Me." And this album Trenza, which is uh, that has a lot of bilingual English, um, Portuguese, Brazilian songs on it. And what I like about it is like. It's like you can be, she's there on the beach having this intimate moment, but they don't really know each other. And like, I, what I really like is like how much, how nice it is to be known, but also to have privacy and to like um, have secrets and things that are just yours. Um, so that's, that's, I love this song. so good isn't it yeah um so diora we're gonna talk about airports now yes <laughs> <laughs> so diora loves airports i really love them and there's a bit in your book about yeah. airports which is why brought <laughs> up. um yeah so obviously i as i mentioned before i'm from uzbekistan yeah. i moved to the uk when i was 10 and i definitely related to that aspect of n- not belonging yeah and just Belonging, but not quite fully belonging. Yeah. And yeah, the bit about the airport, I just really, it really resonated with me (laughs) because I love them. And I feel like when you're in an airport, you can be anyone. You can be going anywhere. No one knows anything about you. And it feels like in an airport, because you 
are taking a journey, mm. you have some kind of purpose. And yeah. sometimes if you have suffered from mental illness, you mm. feel like you don't have a purpose. And mm. I just find them incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. And I think like airports are really wild. Like, oh my God, we're going to cross the border and get on this like huge machine. Metal that, like, box. That hasn't existed for most of human history and take a journey that would have like blown the mind of like any human. Yeah. <laughs> like all humans ever apart from the ones that have been alive for the last like 50 years yeah exactly um like it's absolutely wild like having that ability to just traverse space like that it's so new it's so new um just really wild And it again goes back to that concept of space yeah occupying space um yeah And, and also like obviously not everyone can be super chill and empowered in an airport absolutely um, which is why it's the other thing you're dealing with this like illusion of absolutely like it's so nice you just and yeah and yeah, can, makeup. can we just <laughs> yeah. take a moment to you know talk about that because yeah you know i'm muslim i have yeah. a muslim family airports uh, sometimes are difficult yeah so you know i talk about it like oh it's amazing yeah um i'm very white passing um yeah. so that's why it's easy but that's but um, that's the like the weirdness of an airport is because they create this illusion that it's not a border, it's a shopping mall. Yeah. Like, and it's super luxury. And but... like commodifying that yeah. space, right? Yeah. Like, Stage yeah. four capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I know. Commodifying existence. Yeah. Um, but I actually want to share something. Yes. Which was very impromptu, we mm-hmm. decided. Yeah. But I, so I love airports so much. Yeah. And I find them really healing. Mm. And a year and a half ago... I was going through a terrible breakup (laughs) and I was flying a few weeks after to Washington DC to see my cousin get married, which was just beautiful. And it reminded me that there's love (laughs) (laughs) and things will be good again. Yeah. But on this journey, I wrote a poem and well, it's like a poem that's split into five parts. I don't know whether to read just one or five. I think you should read five. Okay. If you want to. Is that like too much? No. Okay. No, it's perfect. Okay. It it ends on an airplane theme. You don't need to explain it. Okay. We're so here for it. (laughs) Also because no one's ever heard this before. We're so privileged. Okay. Okay. One. Damaged. What was so unlovable about me? Was it the fact I was irreversibly damaged? Or the fact I badly cut my own hair to save myself £42 each month? Did making me feel unworthy satisfy your ego? Or did I not feel your image of love? Was I meant to be athletic? Was I meant to be white? Is this not how you pictured me in your head? Two, like a clot. You fell out of me like a clot. A miserable, shapeless mass incapable of staying. We used to play computer games from different cities. Don't you remember? Three, now. Is this what life is? Absence of colour against the fragments of what used to be. Four, maybe it was my teeth. Would you have loved me if I went to the dentist when you told me to? Were you disappointed my teeth shifted back into crookedness, slower from not wearing a retainer than your feelings for me? Five, airplane mode. I used to look at pictures of you on long journeys and think how lucky I was. I deleted them. Now I look out the window. 
We love it. I love it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, it's so you as well. I've also like never written poetry before. So I felt really emotional on this plane journey. Yeah. And I think that last bit was about looking out the window and actually yeah. having hope for a better future. Yeah. I mean, and that is the amazing thing about looking out of a plane window. You're like, everyone's so small and insignificant. Look at this amazing cloud that I'm sitting on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh, that was a... That was great. I love it. Was, I love that it had your like kind of like adorable neuroses in it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what about cutting my own hair and like do not wearing a retainer? Own, do you cut your own hair? Not anymore. Okay, yeah. But I used to. Oh, well, it, well, it looks great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should play the... Oh, no. Should we play the next song or should we talk about how we met? Maybe after. Um, we can, yeah, let's end with how we met. This song is, it's not It's not that long. This one, okay, just quickly, is so cool because um, it's Elsa Suarez again. Sorry, she's just great. And in this song, she's basically saying, like, if you ever put, lay a hand on my friend, I'm going to come and kill you. And it's really like an anti-domestic violence anthem. And this is why I just have no time for people who say that their art isn't political it's like no it's just bullshit if it's not political you're just reinstate you're just reinforcing the status quo and like the chorus of this song is the domestic violence hotline in brazil that's how wonderful this woman is like she wrote this angry uh, like powerful tune that was like literally letting women in brazil know how to report their abusers and keep themselves safe um and this hotline was set up by uh i can't remember if it was under lula or Dilma, but um quite recently in Brazil under the Workers' Party government. So, um, yeah. Cadê meu celular? Eu vou ligar pro 80. Vou entregar teu nome e explicar meu endereço. Aqui você não entra mais, eu digo que não te conheço. E joga água fervendo se você se aventurar. Eu solto o cachorro e apontando pra você. So good. That was so good. Yeah. What were some of the lines? Uh, you're gonna regret it if you like raise your hand to me. You're gonna regret it, you're gonna regret it. Um, I've got my phone in my hand, I'm gonna call 180, which is the hotline. Yeah. Love that. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. So let's talk about how we met because mm -hmm. it's very sweet. Yeah, it is. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> so our mutual friend had yeah. a party. Yeah. And he... I, I, I took a little crew yes. of my friends. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone there yeah. apart from our mutual friend. Yeah. We can say his name. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's not like, like famous or anything. Yeah, yeah, his name is Tom. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Tom. And hey, Tom. Yeah, but I didn't know who to... Well, he was like, you can bring a plus one, you know, if you don't know anyone. I was yeah. like, okay. And I was seeing someone at the time and I thought, okay, it's going to sound crazy, but do you want to come to this party with me in Oxford? Anyone would should be honoured to be asked to be your plus one to a party. Oh, thank you. But anyway, so we had a great time actually. So yeah, he yeah. did come and... But I actually ended up spending most of my time talking to other people, which is great. And I like it when people can just fend for themselves. Obviously, yeah. And that's how we met. So mm -hmm. I think I talked to V first, right? Well, I'll tell this story from my point of view. Okay. So yeah, I went to this party with like um, my crew, including like V, who's my best friend from school. And yeah, me and V have been friends since we were like 11. Um, like when we arrived in year seven straight away, like we celebrate Valentine's Day together every day, like every year, every, every day, day <laughs> every year. Um, she's just, yeah, my number one person. And um, so I took her to this party and it was quite a white party. 
And then she was like, I think that girl over there is like a bit Asian or something. You gotta make sure we talk to her. I really want to talk to her. I was like, be okay. Like, don't be weird. But like, of course, let's make friends with her. And so, <laughs> so we um, like had a couple of drinks and then we like tried to make friends with you because we really wanted to make friends with you. And I was like, yeah, I'll wing, I'll wing with you friendship wise. Um, and then we just like really hit it off and like you were telling us about all your amazing journalism like exposing ra- rapists um not quite but yeah um yeah no that, that's factually not correct because, okay i'm um, oh, sorry I don't get sued. Yeah, sorry. no 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 it oh, right. wasn't even that um, right, okay yeah but i i worked on a few stories to yeah. do with um sexual harassment um, yeah like on a digital platform yeah. uh yeah so we spoke about that um but what was interesting for me is that I brought this guy to this party and actually we ended up not seeing each other yeah after that a few weeks after and but I gained this amazing friendship yeah and it's literally the best thing that's sort of happened from that situation because I don't think I would have been able to come to the party without someone yeah as a plus one yeah and now I'm like I'm so glad that happened because if without that I wouldn't have been able to meet you and V yeah. and we wouldn't have had this beautiful blossoming friendship. Yeah. And it's great. And like we hang out like quite often now and like do stuff together and it's so nice. It's so great. <laughs> Just here's to women. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like go, go make friends with that person, <laughs> the party that you're staring at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause m- most likely they, they'll, they'll want to chat. Yeah. Why would you come? Unless you just want to dance. That's fine as well. That's also fine. You can dance <laughs> together. But yeah, because like when you go to a party and you don't know anyone, it's so nice when people are friendly and approach you. Yeah. And then you find out that you're all feminists and you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so is this going to be our last song? So should we say our goodbyes? Um, yeah, let's... Um... Let's say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we're making it sound so sad. I think we've got really attached to this over the last hour. Because at first we were so nervous. Like, yeah. oh, we've never done this before. Yeah. And now we're like, please let us speak forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah these totally. microphones. Um, yeah. So before we end, I just want to say, like, Dior is amazing. And the reason I was like, Dior, come do this with me is because she's such a pro and has this amazing podcast um, that you should all subscribe to. I love Broccoli. how you're plugging me. This yeah. <laughs> the total sign, like, sign of friendship. Yeah, of Thank course. You. I'm your hype woman. <laughs> That's so sweet. And you should also buy Aura's book or, or not buy it and just read it. No, yeah, no, buy it. <laughs> you should if you can. So if you can, you should get it from an indie bookshop. That's the best place to buy it. And when you go in, be like, "This book is great." All um, <laughs> or and if not, then buy it from like Waterstones or like a nice chain. Um, and then, like, if you have to, you could. And then there's Hive, which is like they deliver to you and it's online, but they source some the books from indie bookshops. And then obviously there's like the place that sh- the shop online that shall not be named. Um, and you can also obviously order it from your local library and that's really great and then it's free and people can use it for years to come how amazing so yeah thank you so much for sharing everything today oh it's my pleasure and being so vulnerable yeah oh well you made me feel really safe (laughs) Um, okay oh and this song quickly it's uh, like an older Brazilian song and Caetano Veloso like references it in his music which is how I came to it and um, yeah I think it's really beautiful
No Baité tem uma lagoa escura. No Baité tem uma lagoa escura.